this time for the Hadit.com SVR radio show. Here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this eighth day of October 2014. We're here with our co-host, uh, Jay Basser, and uh, I'm Gerald Cook. Uh, and our guest speaker today will be John Rossi with the Blue Water Navy, and we're going to be discussing several issues, uh, including uh, the status of the Blue Water Navy, as well as uh, some of these new forms VA's coming out with. Uh, people should be updated on those, and uh, anyone that would like to call in with a question or a comment, please use our 347-237-4819. Now, that call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819. So if you have a question or comment, please call in. John uh, Rossi, uh, how have you been doing? Well, doing all right. Um, I've been keeping myself busy, I hope, and hopefully in the right direction. Well, we've been uh, tracking your uh, Blue Water Navy uh, information, that's for sure, and it... (laughs) Well, excuse me. It don't look all that that bad, I think it's still, it's still in the works, so uh, let's everyone uh, keep beating the brows of your legislators, and, and let's get this thing pushed on through. Well, let me give you the latest uh, status that I've got on it, and um, and let you know where we're, where we think we're headed at this point in time. Um the whole uh, uh, congressional session, of course, is coming to a screeching halt uh, at, at the 31st of December. And uh, because it's elections, uh, nobody's in Washington. They're all home stomping their states and trying to get reelected. Uh, we've, we're in a, a very interesting situation here where if this doesn't get passed, and, and we're probably at 99.1% uh, already past the time that anything will ever happen, um, it's going to be the second time in a congressional session in a row, second concession in a row, where we have had more than 250 co-sponsors uh, and a bill, and the bill has never come out of committee. And I'm not much of a historian, but I wish I were. Uh, I don't know how often that happens, and I'm scratching my head saying, I wonder if that's if that's ever happened before. Uh, last session we had 261 co-sponsors, and it was not brought out of committee. And uh, this session, we have 251 or 52 co-sponsors, and it's not being brought out of committee. So it's not even really 
been given a chance to be argued on the on the floor. Um, we've got the sponsorship of uh, of Representative Chris Gibson, and he has, I'm happy to say, been true to his word, and he's been talking to everybody they can, and he's uh, trying to get this thing going. And Chris tells us that after the return from the uh, elections in at the end of November, there's going to be some sort of meeting uh, regarding the, the Blue Water Navy bill. Well, I, I don't have any detail on that, um, but I know that uh, after six years of dealing with uh, Congress and and the political arena and legislative process, uh, I think I finally run into my uh, first honest uh, politician in in Chris Gibson. He's uh, he hasn't played any games with us. Uh, he's up against the same wall we are, and uh, he's still trying to get something done. So I can I can say that for him. I hope he's he's up for re-election this year. I hope he's back. Um, he's one of the one of the ones that uh, are getting things done. Uh, one thing that that he did, he's uh, one of the the starters of a group called um, the No Labels Group, and it's uh, it's a mixed party membership, and they've been. They've been working on common sense legislation, and, and a lot of it's gotten through. Um, so Chris Gibson has been a key player in that, and um, I think we found the right guy. But we're up against the same wall we always that we're always against. So if he can get this group behind him on something like this, uh, wouldn't that be uh, a a big benefit? Well, it it seems to be a big benefit because many, and I and I want to say most, but I don't have the exact number. Uh, so I'm going to say many of the no labels group have already signed on as co-sponsors. Uh, the way it was described uh, a while ago is that unless the House leadership agrees that the bill is going to be passed and brought, or brought out of committee, it's not going to be. Well, House leadership is uh, representatives like uh, uh, Pelosi and, uh, boy, it, it Names aren't coming to my head, but they're the the whips and the leaders of the various and the uh, there's there's probably six individuals. Uh, uh, that would be Pelosi. Reed would be one of them. Wouldn't he? Harry well, Reed. Harry Reed is uh, isn't he's in the Senate, I think. Uh, so John Boehner. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. John Boehner. Yeah. John yeah. Boehner. Um, oh, there's uh, let's see when. Um, Representative uh, McCarty from California took over a spot that was um, vacated by, I think, Eric Cantor. Uh, that's one of the positions that is considered House leadership. 
but you bring up a very interesting thing about Harry Reid. Uh, and apparently he's sitting on hundreds of bills in the Senate. Um, and by sitting on them, he's a single individual who's blocking all that legislation. I didn't know our uh, representative government uh, actually ran like that, because uh, to me, I have to scratch my head and, and say, well, then get the hell rid of him, or of anybody I, who... I would sorry. agree with you, John. How in the world can that be? There ain't no one that, that powerful in there. Well, that's that's the theory behind it, but that's not the way it's working. And um, they have the same trouble on on the House side. And unless the, the particular group uh, that's at the at the, the head, uh, which again is contrary to my understanding of, of civics, um, unless you get their support, your legislation is not going to go anywhere. And we've seen that for two years in a row, or uh, two sessions in a row now. That's over a four-year period. And um, that's that's just the way it is. Um, uh, so are we in... <laughs> no. Um, you know, it, uh, things have to change um, to make this, this system work the way... It was supposed to work, or at least what when I was when we were taught when we were in school. Uh, it's not doing that, uh, so I can speak on a on a much narrower level and say that uh, the Blue Water Navy approach to this has to change. Um, not sure what that means, but if we keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Uh, that's that's what Einstein said was the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same things over and over, and you expect different results. So from here on, our, our tactics are going to have to change. Um, I think we're we're going to have to get national media coverage. I don't know how we're going to do that. They've been literally, uh, I want to say they're blackballing us. Um, you know, do I have proof that it's really that widespread, uh, or just our story isn't isn't good enough to catch anybody's major media attention? Um, I just I have a hard time believing that, but that's really what we've been facing now for for six years. Um, anyway, I I don't know what we're going to do different. We are going to do something different. Have you kept track of the? Uh uh, mortality rate of the Blue Water Navy. Have you been able to get those, those statistics? Well, the VA runs the Vet Pop uh, site, uh, and it's uh, they've it's been online for as long as as long as uh, I've been at this since 2006, and they have got tables that show the mortality rates and they break it down into a lot of segments uh, uh, by by era, uh, World War II, Korean, uh, Vietnam era. Uh, 
they claim that they're able to tell you how many veterans are alive today. And just by moving through the table, of course, and looking at the change from one year to the next, you can see the um, the number of veterans who they would claim have died. It's just a, just a little bit of mathematics. Um, since 2002, there have been more than 30,000 Blue Water Navy veterans who, according to the VA's population table, have died. We're right now assuming that our numbers are correct uh, and it, it appears that there are about 60,000 Blue Water Navy individuals left still alive. Um, so out of that out of that number, we're guessing that probably about half of them would file for some kind of a, a disability that uh, that uh, the VA would. Uh, considered to be a, an Agent Orange-related uh, disability. And working on VA statistics of how many claims are actually approved and how many are not approved on a, on a yearly basis, about 60% of the claims that are submitted are, are approved. Uh, when you boil the boil, the the numbers down, uh, there will be 20,000, maybe 15,000 Blue Water Navy veterans who will actually get through the hurdles and qualify for uh, disabilities based on Agent Orange. Uh, and that number is really the head count of uh, how you start figuring out what this whole legislative process for the Blue Water Navy is going to cost. And the numbers work out to be about, to be less than $100 million a year uh, for, uh, for for the 10-year period that they want to, uh, that, they, that they require. Essentially, you project everything 10 years ahead. Uh, my argument is uh, in in about uh, seven or less years, there won't be uh, any significant number of, of Blue Water vets left alive to be paying out uh, on the HR 543. Um, and that's kind of a dismal picture because uh, we're just a percentage of the Vietnam veterans, and uh, so that the whole population, of course, is is declining, and um, there aren't going to be too many Vietnam veterans around uh, in in ten years if if they've got disabilities related to uh, the toxins or the herbicides uh, from Vietnam. They're just uh, they're just not going to last that long. There'll be a few Vietnam veterans alive, and they're the guys that are healthy now, and they're and their immune systems have been able to keep them healthy over the years, but uh, we're a we're a fast 
dying breed, and I've, I've got arguments on that where people say, oh, well, you're way off in your numbers. Uh, one of the things about the VA's uh, vet pop site is uh, every time I, I look at it and go in there, they're giving you less and less information. But uh, statistically, you can you can make assumptions based on uh, uh, some some good arithmetic of, of what they've taken away and what they're not telling you, and it's still there in the numbers. Uh, I don't. Uh, very personally, I don't believe the VA really knows the number of of, of anything. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with that. I think they just making it up as uh, they see fit, and whatever's uh, most uh, uh, favorable to their what they want to use with those numbers. And that's uh, that's almost provable by these tables, uh, because when when they report uh, to Congress uh, how how many veterans are in need of certain things, those numbers always tend to go up, and uh, and and then if uh, there'll be there'll be new. New new veterans that show up in the in the table from year to year, um, the 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 annual uh, number of uh, veterans that show up on the veterans on this uh, table of living veterans. Uh, if you do the numbers year by year, how many died? It fluctuates from um, just but just in the in the Vietnam era. Uh, You'll have, uh, you know, uh, uh, 100,000 one year and 300,000 the next year and, uh, you know, back to 100,000 next year. And, and there's no reason, and those are those are uh, numbers that I'm, I'm, I'm making up because I'm not looking at the table. But the pattern I've seen in that, uh, in that, uh, spreadsheet that they offer you is uh, there's no consistency in uh, the numbers from year to year of how many veterans die. And uh, if you look at any good um, demographics table or, or uh, uh, actuarials, actually, uh, that's a pretty, typically, that's a pretty uh, consistent number from year to year. So I, I would challenge anybody to go to that vet pop page, pull up one of those spreadsheets and find a consistent uh, demographic that, that shows you a, a, an actuarial uh, yeah, you got a link to that page? Actually. Do you have a link to that page? Um, okay, I'll get it for you here. If I put my glasses on, I'd be able to do that. I just typically go into Google and I put in vet pop data. And um, all right, here it is. This is Veteran Population, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. So it's a, it's a VA.gov, and then there's uh, several... Uh, 
Okay, so it's slash vet data slash veteran underline population dot ASP. They, um, in, the, in the eight years or so that I've been dealing with this, uh, the, the things that they have available for you to look at uh, are, are, are disappearing year by year. So, for instance, I used to have a, a death rate and they used to have a living veterans uh, table. And, of course, they never matched up. So, uh, so now there's only one table that uh, that gives the the living number of living veterans, uh, but there's still the in, internal inconsistencies in in the tables. Um, I, I I remember I uh, had some real serious questions about that uh, well back into the 2008 2009. And I did get a hold of it. There, there was a problem with reconciling the numbers of uh, Vietnam veterans with with other data that I had seen uh, from the Department of Defense and the, the Manpower Center numbers. And I called up the uh, Office of Statistical whatever uh, at the VA and said, um, you know, told them my problem that I had uh, uh, seen this inconsistency, and and I'm wondering if they can help me get over this uh, some of the some of the inconsistencies and what the real numbers might have been. And and the answer I got was, uh, or it was was kind of cool, I thought, uh, because it it fit directly in with with what my assumptions were. Uh, the guy said, "You know, you know, we've been having some real problems with those numbers too over the years. Uh, you know, they're just uh, they're just pretty hard to to get a correct tracking on. And that was where they left it. Uh, they just uh, they didn't they didn't think they had to fix it. They just knew there was there was some inconsistency there. So um, another." Another thing to report on the VA uh, coming up a little short in in providing veteran with uh, across the board good services. Well, that's how they uh, get to manipulating all the data, and uh, they do it to work, works out in their favor. I don't know why they have to be so untruthful about everything. The truth's a lot easier to kind of say than a bunch of lies or misinformation. Uh, what does one work with? I mean, how, how in the world can you arrive at any reasonable conclusion on anything if you're dealing with a bunch of misinformation yeah and that's that's a key problem and of course we're uh, lately here seeing how that has uh, come to the public's attention when when they've looked at the at the way the numbers have been manipulated with uh, the 
waiting periods and the number of guys on the wait list and stuff. So, so they've they've caught them at certain at a certain level, um, and they're they're not gonna uh, have to have too many of the real culprits uh, pay for for this by by being brought to. Uh, to justice and losing their jobs, they're going to have a couple of scapegoats. They just announced uh, uh, for them the other day, and uh, a lot of these people were just about ready to retire anyway. Um, it's um, it's disconcerting that uh, something that big and that important uh, is just uh, you just can't pin them down. Uh, I'm. I'm of the opinion, once again, this is just my personal opinion, that the revisionists are hard at work. Uh, once again, the history's being rewritten and doesn't really reflect the, the past that, that I lived. Um, and one, one example that really catches my attention and gets my goat is uh, they have things like this uh, 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War and and they explain a lot of uh, in the important details uh, of Vietnam War and things like that but nowhere has an emphasis or even a small spotlight been put on the role that Agent Orange herbicides, or all any of the herbicides, or any of the uh, toxins and and uh, chemicals and whatnot that they experimented with, and Gerald, you're familiar with those from the from the um, programs, uh, the shad programs that, that they had going on. Um, they're just they've downplayed those to the point that uh, when you hear and read and learn about the Vietnam War now, uh, they're not mentioned. Um, well, are, are they that big a, are they that big a deal? Um, I think that the, um, the problems that those chemicals brought to the table uh, and the, the number of soldiers, uh, military as well as civilians who have, who have died because of that is overwhelmingly important, and we're just uh, letting it be be stuffed under the table. The Australians were faced with the same problem, and they worked out. Uh, they made so much fuss about it that the uh, uh, government has said, uh, "Okay, we're going to we'll change our stories of." You know, uh, Vietnam and, and Agent Orange was was a very significant player in that in that uh, war, and we're gonna we're gonna change it. Well, we need to. I don't know what that really means for them because that was something they concluded, I think, in about 2009, and I'm not sure that they've they've really done anything about it. But I do believe they give them some compensation as well as didn't England and Canada also didn't they uh, uh, compensate their their veterans for their participation in in some of those uh, 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 
warfare uh, chemical agents. Uh, yes, uh, both um, or all, I guess. Uh, uh, even even Korea now that they've uh, come up with with studies that the Korean government has done on their veterans that that show a very uh, specific direct relationship with a lot a, a lot of additional diseases that RVA doesn't uh, recognize as being related to the herbicides and the chemical uh, the toxins that were around um, it seems that everybody is owning up to the to the fact that those were uh, very significant and deadly uh, items that were warfare items uh, U.S. because it, it was us doing it. Of course, we're not going to admit that. I don't think, and I think history uh, is going to be changed. Well, according to the U.S. government, uh, they claim there was no injuries, no deaths, no nothing. But yet, there's uh, quite a few people can uh, remember injuries, and uh, there's even some deaths involved. They know good and well they were, and uh, why the government would insist that there's there wasn't when there there's documentation that there was it, it's beyond me. But they've gotten away with it for how many years now? And uh, same way with the Blue Water Navy. Uh, you know who got sick? Nobody got sick. And here you well. got all these. People dying off at a younger age than, than what they normally would have. Not only that, they suffered, a lot of them have suffered immensely, and their families over okay, the years. That's, that's right. And they're currently suffering. The problem is it's yes. still going on right now, and they, yes, they are. turn a blind eye. And uh, that's wrong. That's uh, uh, as wrong as you can be, and... And uh, as long as there's any one of them alive, they they should be out there trying to spread the word, uh, keep it as active in in the only uh, resource about we have is congressional or uh, maybe get the news media uh, involved uh, to help push it through, you know, if, uh, if you embarrass the government bad enough uh, uh, through the national uh, news media, sometimes they will do something. But well, sometimes. That's, uh, that's <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, you're right, sometimes. Um, but uh, here we go, you know, we got all these people sick. Not only they're sick, they're making their family sick. Yeah, it's um, it's being traced down to the to the third easily uh, generation in um, in the Vietnamese population, for instance, uh, very serious uh, problems, uh, and there are uh, a large number of of uh, XGIs of Vietnam veterans who have also are now experiencing uh, second and third generation uh, genetic disabilities that are 
very directly related to the problems from the, the herbicides and toxins. And it's um, it's it's living through history uh, that it's, that there's proof there. But if the VA and the government, uh, which is a very vague thing to say, but to quote the government, uh, keeps hiding those facts and telling the story, uh, leaving those things out, uh, sooner or later that that's going to be the main uh, picture of history that's that's you know, uh, passed on to the next generation. And, and we're the last ones who can raise hell and, and do something about it. Uh, and if we don't, who's who's going to do it? Uh, well, if we don't, and then it's, it's, you know, if we leave it as it is, the government's just going to keep manipulating history and, and uh, write it uh, as they see fit, as they want people to remember it. And I think that's went on all through time, probably. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Vietnam era and our problems are the first that that's, that that's no. appeared in, just like you say. But um, but now with the, the fact that, that uh, access to official records and, and official documentation uh, is as, as extensive as it is now. It's, uh, anybody can get to the Internet and, and dig up information. Uh, it, it's less, uh, it should be less likely that uh, this disinformation should live as, as long and as strongly as it does. Uh, but unfortunately, um, it does seem to be something that people take at face value and, and don't bother to check the government on, on a lot of their facts, even the uh, the problems in the Middle East and the uh, Gulf War, the, the uh, Iraq, Afghanistan guys, they're all going to be facing uh, some sort of lesser admission of uh, of problems, and therefore they're going to they're going to be able to receive less benefits than they should because of the manipulation of data that's that's going on. And it it's sad, but it's uh, that's the way we seem to be going. I think uh, on the uh, Middle East veterans right now that in a few years it's really going to show up on the respiratory side of things because uh, they were exposed to a lot of different agents over there and and uh, uh, sorry to say most of them were not even aware of it or they were misled uh, uh, you know they say well you know them sirens that went off or them alarms that went off and that was uh, just a bogus deal or it was a test, there was nothing really there. Uh, now we're going to have these veterans here in the future uh, come forward and say, look, uh, man, I'm in bad shape, and they don't know what's wrong. I mean, you know, a lot of them go years trying to fight something off and finally wake up to the fact, well, this must have happened while I was in the service. Well... 
least they're a little more wiser than we are. I, th I think uh, that uh, a lot of them are going into the VA uh, uh, within a year's period, you know, uh, time frame, and, and uh, issuing some complaints. Uh, that'll that's their only line or safety net that I know of that they may have. Yeah, they're um, they're coming in with uh, reporting a, a lot of problems that they've got. Our 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 problem as Vietnam veterans is uh, we just stood by, kind of dumb and happy, and said, uh, "Oh, gee, I've been dealt a, a bad hand here, and uh, my fate and my uh, my health is just shot." And uh, the connection between the bad health and actual uh, in-service uh, exposure to to the bad things like the toxins just didn't uh, didn't ring a bell until later in life. Now that now that people like the Blue Water Navy are are making a little bit of noise about it, um, they're they're seeing that. And and uh, when the uh, Afghan Iraqi veterans do their filing. Um, I believe that I've heard the numbers uh, before that that an average uh, Vietnam veteran uh, claimed uh, less than four disability problems that they could connect directly back to their service, and the number for the Afghan Iraqi veterans is is uh, well over ten or more. And I think that that indicates that uh, that they do see that that unless they say something about it and get it on record, uh, they're they're never going to be able to uh, collect any benefits that that are available for that. Um, I'm thinking you're right. It's going to be more and more difficult. Um, VA is getting more manipulative in uh, in the way they do things, and and they don't mind slamming the door in your face. So. No, that's that's exactly true. Um, that could be a perfect lead-in to look at some of these uh, things that are happening with the the new forms that are coming out. Uh, there, there's uh, a tendency. To to give a a uh, less and less detailed answer of why the claims are denied. Uh, the the uh, narrative write-ups that that come along with the uh, reasons uh, are getting shorter and shorter when a, when someone is. Uh, Receives their their denial for benefit, uh, and they're uh, and they're being um, categorized, uh, of course, by by uh, well, they they can give a, a shorter answer because uh, they're no longer allowed or they're no longer required to provide longer narrative descriptions of why they've they've denied something. Uh, 
that's being built into the to the forms as as I see it. Uh, they're asking up front uh, if, if if you look at the say the new five twenty six form five twenty six b. They're going to start requiring the use of these, and um, and 526B is where uh, you've already have a service connection, so you're wanting your evaluation uh, percentage disability to be increased, or you're uh, coming up with brand new service connections for for things. Um, you're reopening a case. That's the third uh, category on that, or you're you're reporting some secondary disabilities that have occurred since you've got your original service connection. Um, the, the the spaces they're giving you to fill in your things are, are getting smaller and smaller. And uh, a lot of guys don't add to it the uh, the additional narrative that they need to explain to the VA exactly what it is that they're talking about. And that, of course, means that the VA can come back and give them a more and more vague reason why it was denied. Um, why is this going on? Well, it doesn't seem to have, to have been um, uh, fought against by the veteran service organizations. I, I see that problem as one where the VSOs are are playing along. They're buying into the VA's movements and, and uh, uh, new, new directions that we're seeing, and they're part of the problem. I'll just I'll just come right out and say it. Uh, this backlog problem is uh, probably very close to 50% of the uh, responsibility of the VSOs in terms of how they submit the claims, uh, the uh, amount of information that they simply don't include when the claim is, is uh, submitted, and they let the VA. Um, and they'll even say that to say, ah, you know, the VA will check this out. They'll get all the records. They'll get all the information. Um, and that's not that's not true. Uh, the VA won't do that. They leave it up to the poor veteran, and and uh, I see this as another delay tactic. Uh, that the VA has uh, thrown in the mix of all this. Uh, it gives them another uh, dead-end road they send veterans down uh, because now they're not going to supply them with the reason why they, uh, they uh, feel that a claim should be denied is because of this or that or something else, giving the veteran uh, an opportunity to correct those issues. Now the veteran looks at it and says, well, they just denied me. I don't know why. Uh, 
and they don't have a clue. I mean, you're dealing with lay people here. Uh, they're not educated in this sort of stuff. And uh, uh, where's this going to end up? It's going to end up a, a nightmare for most veterans. And, and uh, they don't know where to begin or where to end. I mean, what do they do? Uh, they didn't say what they needed. They didn't say why they denied it. They just denied it. Well, and that's not being um, that's not being addressed as much as it needs to be by the veteran service organizations. They're they're oh, going along not. with the changes, and uh, I don't know. We can go down a, a list and and see why the VSOs would would care to play that the game that the veterans playing and and one of the reasons of course is because the VSOs are given uh a location uh with almost all of the expenses paid in the uh, given an office in the regional office of the VA to uh set up their offices uh, uh you know no no rent or utility payments and uh, here's where they're able to to locate to help the veterans um, and one and one step further than that is is uh it's it's hard to be a vso and it's against federal law to um fill out a form for a veteran unless you are an authorized uh and certified vso uh so what is it that's in it for the for the vsos well the va has pretty much written the rules that say, well, in order to be a VSO, uh, you need to be uh, at a certain pay level. You need to be receiving, uh, I'm going to believe it's $30,000 a year or more. Well, that's a pretty good uh, job guarantee um, that the, that the uh, VSOs have. Um so to be a VSO, you're beholden to the VA for saying thanks. I'm, I'm making a pretty good wage here, uh, a better, a whole lot better than minimum wage. And uh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's too much, um, too much just following the, whatever the VA has to say. The major VSOs don't have a whole lot to uh, to complain about. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying there, John, for sure, because uh, if the VA, uh, VSOs are not going to oppose it or, or uh, you know, say, hey, I can see all sorts of issues happening here, um, that's not going to help a poor veteran at all. Uh, first of all, why do you want to make his life so miserable? Uh, there's got to be a reason for that. Uh, I mean, you get a statement of case, and, and it just says you're denied. They give you no reasons why you're denied, uh, uh, because you're missing this and that and something else. Uh, and now they come up with these uh, pass letter things, uh, uh, and then this... Uh, fully developed claim thing that uh, most of them don't go through. They've been, uh, I don't know of 
very many cases uh, that they've they've been beneficial. So, as a rule, they all revert back to the standard claim system anyway, so it's another delay tactic. Daryl, um, we've got one advantage that uh, the VAs had really up thinking about. Even though you fill those forms out and they give you the old shotgun denial with no explanation why they denied you or what uh, duty to assist and what we need from you from your claim, uh, once that gets to the higher level, be on the BVA, okay? Because the BVA is uh, actually I call it the glorified regional office. Uh, once you get to the court level, and the actual court looks at it, and the judges look at it, and they see the fiasco that's going on, then they'll make the VA fix it. Now, well, they, they remand it back, though. Uh, that's what they do with it. They remand mm -hmm. it back, and you lose another year, year and a half. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I was going to say that that's that's pretty much uh, always been the case that uh, that the uh, BVA has uh, uh, taken on the role of, of having to correct the, the regional offices uh, without a whole lot of uh, negative uh, repercussions that the, that those local regional offices have to have to pay for for making those mistakes and and usually it's the veteran caught in the middle, like Gerald says, that uh, uh, when they have to, unless the unless the BVA or even higher, the court, makes a specific ruling, uh, if, they, if they just remand it and say, you've got to fix this or that, uh, you're in a series of, of years that uh, most, the most critical requirements for, for getting the, the Various benefits uh, are gonna are gonna make a make the guy's life pretty rough to live for the, those next uh, several years before it gets back into the system. And and we are seeing a lot of veterans that uh, uh, that are dying before it gets through that hole. Uh, yeah, they've got a nightmare scenario there because once you get uh, you claim to the BVA and there's errors and things in your claim that need to be fixed. Uh, they have the option to remand it back to the regional office and, uh, you know, have the re regional office look at it again and re-adjudicate it and supposedly fix their mistakes. Of course, I read a lot of decisions, and I see a lot of times where they don't fix their mistakes. They stand by the laurels. Then it goes back to the BVA, and the BVA says, no, the mistakes are still there, so they remand it to the Appeals Management Center. And once it gets there, you're done, just about done. Yeah, it's 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 several years uh, from that. I've and and the uh, uh, reports that the, the claim times are are getting shorter and and they're finally getting a handle on things. Uh, what's what's really happening is they're shifting the categories and essentially they're saying, well, these claims are no longer on our desk, so they're they're taken care of. Uh, in reality. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're, they've shifted from the, that guy's desk to somebody else's, but uh, but the VA doesn't have to explain that when they report to Congress. I've explained it to representatives here and explained to them that even though they're, you know, the numbers look good, I said, before you take acceptance to what they tell you, please ask them the numbers on the other side of the room, you know, 
you can see a percentage, like say the claims drops 30%. Okay, well, they've awarded 2% of the claims, and the appeals has jumped 28%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and those are real numbers, and I, I expect we're going to hear some from some uh, veteran organizations that are going to take quite an exception to what we're what we're talking about this morning, but um, I'm perfectly ready to, to do that because I can point to some numbers and cases where uh, I, I think it proves our point pretty pretty clearly. The VA needs some theme music, guys. They need to use Nazareth, Hire the Dog, as their theme song. <laughs> well, that or the uh, uh, piano from Keystone Cops. Yep. <laughs> That'd be a good uh, one-two punch. <laughs> um, another failure I see, as long as we're talking about this, is the um, in the Congress, the House Veterans Affairs Committee and the Senate Veteran Affairs Committee are gnashing their teeth, but they're not biting anything. And... They're pointing out some pretty good problems that exist, but I don't see them uh, fixing them. I just uh, you mean give you the I reason they don't fix them? I'm sorry, do it again. You mean give you the reason they're not fixing the problems like that, even though they see the issues and they're they're really upset and they're gritting their teeth over it? Is that the VA has gotten so good at delaying veterans over the years that uh, they know that. Your congressional session has a two-year lifespan, and they're very, very, very good at delaying you past your congressional session because once a new Congress comes in, you have to start over. Got to start over again. Well, we, so, we the Blue Water Navy, have lived through that, uh, lived through that uh, twice now. Um, uh, we were talking earlier before we came on um, the. Uh, the bill for the Blue Water Navy is simply uh, a common-sense uh, bill, and it, and it says that if you were in the area of of Vietnam you, without being on the landmass, and you come down with the exact same disease that the men on the landmass had, uh, and the VA says, well, that, that had, to been, had to have a... A, a different cause than the uh, than the exact same disease that, that the guy that's less than 100 yards from me, for instance, uh, comes down with. That number one, that doesn't make sense. But uh, we've gone through now. This will be the end of the second congressional session, where the the Blue Water Navy bill has had over 250 co-sponsors. Uh, it only needs uh, 218 to be one half plus one of the House vote, but we're we're closing off this session with two, <clears throat> excuse me 251 or two uh, co-sponsors. Uh, last session, which which is two years ago, uh, we had uh, 261 co-sponsors. And neither time was the bill even let out of committee to come to the floor for a vote. Uh, that, to me, represents a, a flaw in 
her statement that these guys represent the will of the people. Uh, we've have we have uh, some resolutions from uh, various towns and and councils and uh, counties, and as a matter of fact, I think there's 13 states that have passed resolutions specifically saying that the the Blue Water Navy uh, ought to be uh, allowed to collect their benefits from the Agent Orange diseases uh, if, in fact, they, they have those. Um, but that's not that's not being reflected in the uh, in the work of the House or the Senate, and uh, that's a that's a failure of of civic duty in in my opinion. But uh, there's not much I can do about it. I don't. Is there any way you can go from state to state and get enough states to ratify it? Well, uh, Daryl, we've got. Uh, or Gerald, uh, we've got. Uh, I, I'm looking for that list here on the desk. I believe there's 13 states that have uh, individually um, passed a resolution that 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 supports uh, HR 543. Um, that's a that's a significant statement from from grassroots. Uh, that says uh, we're we're behind this. Uh, we think that there's some justice in in uh, getting this particular legislation through, uh, and it's not having any effect. Essentially, uh, they, they in the Congress they don't apparently they don't care too much about what uh, what the people are really saying uh, and asking and, and requesting. Um, uh, why is that happening? I I don't know. I think there's a obvious a, a breakdown in what we used to call the representational government, and, uh, and it's sad. It's sad, but we're watching things change. It seems to me that if you had two thirds of the states uh, ratify that, it would have to become the law. Well, only on the only on a state level, which the Veteran Affairs doesn't have to pay a bit of attention to. Uh, it has to be at the federal level, and uh, and apparently uh, there's not much influence that can be um, put onto the, for instance, House of Representatives. Uh, uh, we've provided all the information that we've collected from the counties and states and and even cities that have uh, put a resolution uh, on the table and, and passed it uh, supporting Blue Water Navy, but uh, they're not impressed. They're not impressed at all. Folks, we got about a minute left there. Do you want to start to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I hate to. We're just getting into this. Uh John, we appreciate you coming on. I hope we can get you back on here uh, real soon because you brought up some interesting uh, issues, and and uh, they they need uh, further uh, further discussion. Uh, we we have to. There's got to be a way around this, and we just look, like you say, we got to try something different. 
Now, what what that that's going to incur is I don't know. Have put our heads together, and and you're right. You can't keep trying the same old thing all the time, and uh, expect uh, different results. So uh, maybe we get our heads together some, and and, and you know. I know you're in contact with a lot of people, but how in the world uh, there's got to be something make them set up and take notice that this is a serious issue. So with that, uh, and uh, Jay Basser, I appreciate you being on, and and uh, this will be, oh, and ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget the uh, ad website. Uh, there's a lot of information there about uh, the claims situation, and and be sure to uh, go there and and show your support. Uh, and this will be Gerald Cook with the Added Podcast. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show.